Welcome to the Love Letters Profiles podcast. I'm Barbara Farraher. And I'm Mike Farraher. We started Love Letters Profiles to help our clients write love letters to themselves. Because whether you're writing a dating profile to find the love of your life, or you're upgrading your LinkedIn profile to plot that next big career move, it starts with having the confidence to go for something bigger. Go for something you always deserved, but didn't think was in reach. Our Love Letters podcast is an extension of that. We'll speak to coaches, matchmakers, authors, titans of business, and other cool people who are living their best life right now, regardless of the circumstances. We look forward to learning from them and hope you will as well. Let's dive in. Welcome to Love Letters podcast, and we are just so excited to have two powerhouse sisters, Jennifer Wiesner and Barbara Stone. Jennifer is a clinical social worker, a certified sex therapist, a sex educator, a writer, and she's based in Maine where she has a private therapy and consultation practice where she sees couples as well as individuals. And she works with couples and individuals to get them on track with their sexual selves. Said another way, She is a superhero for healthy sexuality. Then we have our older sister, Barbara, not too much older, is an ICF certified coach and a positive leadership strategist. She spent 25 years in the fashion business and took a career transitioning as she aligned her personal and professional values. And she works with clients and groups to expand their self-awareness, harnessing emotions, and transforming abstract goals into sustainable actions. And the problem we have with a podcast like this, when people are so accomplished, by the time I get done with your introduction, we've run out of time. This <laughs> is <just> terrible. <laughs> wow. So this is Powerhouse City. And man, oh man, we are going to dive right in. First of all, welcome, Jen and Barbara. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, thank you. Really looking forward to it today. We are ready to roll. So I'm going to start, like I said, I'm going to dive right in. Jen, I'm going to start with you. Have you seen flirting and dating evolve during this past year, you know, 2020 into 2021 as a sex therapist? I have this dumpster fire of a year. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen, it's interesting because I've really seen people behaving across the spectrum with regards to flirting and dating and some sort of with a more growth minded approach to their life have increased their creativity and opportunity to connect sort of in a more broad and in a virtual space using technology and a lot of ingenuity as well. I've heard some really interesting things. Um, But then there are some other folks who have really just pulled in tighter and they're kind of taking um, a weighted out approach or staying. I've heard some folks that kind of stay within their known people, even even, um, folks choosing to sort of hang out with their ex-relationships to sort of satisfy their relational needs. And it's interesting to me, again, in my field as a sex therapist and an educator, that it's been interesting to see folks talk a lot more about safety boundary setting, like when meeting up in person or after uh, meeting online with regards to physical distancing, COVID testing, mask wearing, like these are all new negotiations that we've been kind of forced into. And I'm, I'm really hoping that that translates over time to people finding that they're talking about consent and negotiating sexual experiences to be less challenging. And in this climate, we just 
we really can't discount the stress, the loss, the financial concerns, the decreased socialization. It has impacted everyone's mental and emotional energy. And I, what I have seen is a lot of folks are just less lighthearted. I'm sure we all can relate yeah. to that. And I think it's really important that we look at this pandemic as a marathon and just seek the support and help we need, find happiness and joy where we can, and really not waiting for things to build up. And meeting new people might be a next step to greater happiness and connection. I mean, I think on one side of the coin, it's like, how would you socially distant date? Would you just go to the park and sit on a seesaw, right? I mean, I guess perfect that's idea, Mike. <laughs> hey, honey, why don't we just go and sit on a seesaw? Um, but no, you know, to your point, I think we've seen clients getting really creative. I mean, from our perspective, I mean, some of us go back further than others. I mean, we were like the personal ad in the Home News Tribune in New Brunswick. You know, that kind of thing is how we would try to find people. But, you know, now with Zoom, you could probably get a couple of the first, second, third dates out of the way to see if there's chemistry before you'd move on to a you know, to an actual live date. And it certainly would be less awkward than, you know, meeting somebody in a bar and staring them face to face and thinking it's not going to work out. So I think there are some people that have, you know, leveraged the technology to their advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, like I said, being really creative with how they're connecting and using different applications to do that. You know, we can certainly talk more about that in a bit, but you know, there's been a lot of creativity out there. Yeah. We have, I mean, we had somebody that our, one of our first clients back in July, she already got married by October. Oh, wow. She just had it. She had it in her vision board, like this will be done. Oh, Pandemic be damned. So uh, you know, what would, what kind of advice that, that would both of you have around, you know, people that are just deciding to put not only their dating, but their life on hold because of the pandemic? You know, they just put this sort of COVID blanket on and say, oh, I'm just going to wait this out. Or once it gets better, I'll be out and I'll be socializing again. Maybe I'll start dating again. And, and like I said, there's this other camp that's just not letting it get in the way. And uh, that's about that's the thing about being live. You get a phone call. That's right. <laughs> of course. Know, Barb, do you want to jump in on that? Yeah, I might jump that? in on this sure. here. Um, <laughs> I feel that, you know, this all comes back to actually during a pandemic or not, it comes back to that self-awareness. What do I really want? And especially at a time like now, do I want to remain status quo? Am I status quo? Status quo. Status quo could be a new one if you want to, you know, like the raven. Okay, no. Um, but are you okay with that for a time? Sometimes we don't want change. But if you do, you know, that whole get off the hook, you know, that's a way of feeling, you know, it's not in my control and I should feel grateful, maybe grateful for the job that I have. And I know that, you know, gratitude was a big protector for me during the pandemic you know, to think about what I really have and that reality of what so many may not have. But if that's something that's you know, preventing you from taking action, even a tiny small action, you know, it comes back to what's in your control. You know, coaching during a, pande during a pandemic, um, this is a critical piece. We start to look at what is beyond our control. You know, like you said, waiting for things to return to normal. I'm not sure if there's anything I can do right now. Let's just flip it for a second and look at it from the lens of um, an executive mindfulness um, director, Dr. Jeremy Hunter. In every moment, we make a decision. 
we actually have control in every moment if we're present enough to realize it. So let's consider decisions that we make every day represented by four circles. So the first circle is the moment. That's where we pause and reflect on what's most important. In the second circle, we make a choice in that moment. The third circle are the actions that we take based on that choice we made in the moment. And the fourth circle are the results that we get based on the actions we took on the choice in the moment. But here's the critical piece. At the end of the day, if you're not getting the results you want, go back to the moment and think about making a different choice. You can really see how much control you have in the moment and how it affects your outcomes. So I guess going back to your question, should I play it safe, should I wait? The real question might be, where do I wanna place my attention, my energy? Maybe you wanna play it safe right now because physically, mentally, that's best for you. Maybe financially for your family, that's best for you. But career-wise, if it feels like you want change and you're unsure as to whether now's the right time, there are small incremental steps I feel like you can take every day and I encourage my clients to do if they are looking for change, to actually decrease some of that anxiety around uncertainty. And you know, that could be as simple as do some research on something you might enjoy doing. Speak to a friend who has a position that you really enjoy or that they really enjoy and you see them loving their job. How do they get there? How would that feel for you? See if there's jobs out there that actually equate to the skills that you know you have. And then I can come back to acknowledgement and self-awareness later. But, you know, those small steps and marginal gains moving, moving you forward, you know, that keeps your brain in a positive state and you can see more opportunity and possibility. So I encourage that. Yeah, I mean, we, we're also working on people with their careers as well. And it's interesting. I try to write resumes and LinkedIn profiles, not to catalog the job you already mm -hmm. did, but the job you're looking to go True. for. And what I'll typically do is I'll say, okay, well, what kind of job do you want to go for? And they'll give me a job description. And when I actually reword their own experience and I, they find out that, wow, I could kind of do that job. It's not as big of a stretch as I think. You know, it's all about instilling the confidence. People get a, 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 an elevated confidence boost when they really kind of take a look at, well, here's the job I've already done. Maybe I shouldn't just be going for a lateral move. I should be going for a bigger move and maybe I'm more qualified than I thought. And it's our, in our experience that those are the people that are moving on and getting new careers versus those that are saying, you know what, I'm gonna sit tight. This job market's probably really terrible. The unemployment rate is really high up. I should just stick with what I have, be happy that I have a job. Right. It's just two very different mindsets that we're encountering. Absolutely. And what I think is so cool here is that we're overlapping the relationships mm -hmm. and the work. And it's all about, you know, I was gonna start with saying that what's, what's a common element here and within my work, curiosity, it's key. Mm -hmm. For folks who are kind of thinking they want to throw the blanket over their head, I just would want to know why, you know, be curious about that, not judgment, but curious and kind of what is that motivation behind shutting the dating game down? And if the person has, you know, maybe some sound reasons why, maybe they want to focus on other goals or during this time, or maybe they want to limit their scope of meeting people, then great. 
And that's okay if that if they feel like that's their motivation and intention and good luck building the new business or getting that new job. But, you know, if someone is avoiding this brave new world of meeting people out of fear or low confidence, as you were saying, Mike, that would be a shame because with with all the negatives of the pandemic mm -hmm. and, and even some negatives of the pandemic dating, there are always many ways to look at something. And there have actually been some really pretty cool developments in online dating and people are really taking advantage of it. I, I had seen uh, recently that in 2020, dating apps like exponentially grew. I think it said Match grew I, over 20%, um, Bumble grew 16%. And um, interesting, you, I thought it was fascinating that the one that grew the most was the Black Singles Dating App. And with these colder months in a lot of part of the country, the COVID numbers increasing, these are all really viable options. And they also kind of give you the opportunity to meet folks from out of your own area. If you've already saturated the market nearby, um, it gives you a you know, way to meet folks out of the area. And also you can find very specific dating apps for certain populations. You know, if you're someone who has certain interests or you have, um, you know, you're of a certain orientation, that's really hard to do in person. So this is really just another plus. And so if you don't have a great reason why you're hiding under the blanket, it might be a good time to turn up the growth mindset and give it a try. That's awesome. And you know what it is, too, is then you also get to if you're dating via Zoom, you kind of can feel it out, have that first and second, maybe third date and really connect, or maybe it doesn't work, then, you know, no harm, no foul, right. and you move on. Now, I do have another question. A along with dating, there's also people that have been together for a long time. And what I've heard is there are people that are bonding and getting closer, and there's also a lot of separation and divorce. Yeah. So what have you guys heard about that? What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> she, was, she was looking at me the whole time she said that. Staring like, you down. What are you saying? I'm a little freaked out right now. I don't mind, but I'm answer glad the question. it's audio, not video. <laughs> I know for me, this is Jennifer. I'm, I'm both, I'm seeing in my practice, both. I literally, I, I would say I'm seeing a higher percentage of folks really struggling and uh, wanting to interesting what I've seen a lot of is either yes there are people who are looking to separate and divorce but I am seeing a very large number of people wanting to understand how to ethically open their relationships meaning ethical non-monogamy and so I'm seeing a lot of that um, and just trying to help them through really acknowledging that this is a difficult time and that's why the problems seem so much greater illuminated that it's not that you know they're any particularly worse it's the environment and really just helping them to try to control the environment as best as they can oh, and I'd, I'd like mm -hmm. to add here too i mean in all of the remote work that's happening now and every one of my clients of course i see them remotely and that is a struggle for them and so many of the, so much of the initial research now is all on, you know, over-communicate, you know, create structure and over-communicate, over-communicate. And that really actually speaks to clarity reduces uncertainty, right? And that's the basis of what a lot of our anxiety around confidence is, is that we're unclear, we're uncertain. So I really go back to, again, that communication and transparency, whether it's in a relationship with a loved one or it's a boss or a colleague, but be clear, 
you know, be clear on what you don't want. Start there if it's easier. And that doesn't even have to be expressed. That could be reflected on. And then what do you want? You know, what do I want for myself? Is it love, companionship, respect, fun, a space to share and be recognized for my skills and my job? You know, what do I want for the other person? Is it to feel comfortable with me, to know that I have their back, that we can collaborate? And what do I want for this potential relationship, mutual trust and respect? You know, it's again, going back to knowing yourself and what you want. Well, it's, it's interesting when we've worked with people and they're like, well, maybe we're, I'm just going to wait until the COVID thing dies down and then I'll go out and date. I'll, ans- I'll ask the question, were, were you dating a lot before COVID? And the answer is almost no. always no. So there's a little <laughs> part of me that's not, that's not buying the COVID blanket. They probably took themselves out of the game before. And it's, it's usually something around, well, I, I went on a dating app before. It didn't work out. Or I really had a bad breakout. And I find that people are not so much looking ahead with dread around COVID. Even before COVID, they were actually had a past rear view mm. mirror that they couldn't, they couldn't see the road ahead of them because they were still looking in the rear view mirror. So I'm sure that probably, you know, a lot of those past hurts and we all have them. It really does tamper your experience of life. And your performance in sexually and career in just your enjoyment of life. So I know, you know, I I was really looking forward to this part of the conversation because you, of your experiences, you probably have some great tips on how to kind of remove those shackles from the past. Uh, This this could probably be a six hour (laughs) podcast, but remove those shackles from the past. What are, what are some quick if you if they're if they exist quick strategies like in the moment when your your mind's going that way how do you pull yourself out of that for, for even you personally go ahead Jen. um sure um i think for me and, and this is probably where barb and i of course come together again um visualizing your success you know that actually believing that just as much as you think something may go poorly it can also go well and mm. really looking at it you know, kind of retraining your brain to think about the things you do want in a relationship versus where our minds often go, which is the things I don't like, the things I don't want. Um, Our brain is actually trained to do that. It has actually more ability to look at the things that we are negative and don't like. So we, you know, we have to put some training into there and give ourselves some credit, you know, (laughs) you know, the credit that's deserved. Um, Make a list of what we um, it's easy to make that, sorry, it's easy to make that list of what we don't like, but how about the list of our positives, what we contribute to others, to the world? How are we a good person? Um, and sometimes we can look to a person who we trust to help us with that. And just to, and, uh, additionally to that, don't conflate mistakes with attempts. You know, trying and attempting is courageous mm. and it's admirable and it builds new skills. Just because we attempt, and maybe it didn't go exactly how we planned. It doesn't mean it's a mistake. I love that, Jennifer. I let, and especially nice. touching on the neuroscience. Oh, yeah, awesome. that neuroscience yeah. piece. Because in, in my experience, I totally agree. It's focusing on, you know, coaching is focusing on the future and what can be. But, you know, looking at it from a neuroscience standpoint, when we continue to ruminate over the past or uncomfortable mm. and negative experiences, 
the brain considers that as a threat. So the more we tend to go over and over and over it, the more we feel threatened by it and we diminish our problem solving skills and that ability to see opportunity. So I know in therapy, it's important to understand them, but then to get out of the rumination mode and move forward to action, I would think of two things that I use in coaching. One sounds simple, but distract yourself. Okay, being self-aware as to what kind of makes you happy and laugh and have fun is a great way to shift your emotions in the moment and create that reward or positive state in the brain. Because once you start to experience those positive emotions, like happiness, and like you said, Jen, curiosity, joy, excitement, your levels of creativity, problem solving, and that ability to see an opportunity really increases. So the next time you think, you know, having fun is wasteful or indulgent, think of what I just said. Another is reframing. And that's to the point of what Jennifer made. And it's really about acknowledgement, jotting down those skills that and things that have happened where you want to positively acknowledge yourself. And honestly, I've done this with clients. Do it for a week and read them back. It ignites those positive emotions. You know, for example, I had a client who wanted to have more of an executive yet an authentic presence in her organization, but she kept feeling she lacked the skills. We incorporated sort of an acknowledgement journal into our action plan and then after two weeks of consistently writing down what went well each day, she saw a theme that she already possessed these and needed to leverage and sharpen them to get where she wanted to go. Not to mention the positive confidence boost she gave herself because she forgot about half those things. So that's just you know some points to take that might move you forward. Well, I'm going to acknowledge <laughs> that this is a rich conversation. We are going to just roll into part two. Stay tuned for that. It's time for our profile of the week. I love this one. Spicy Latina seeking old school chicken fried lobster lover. Latin yoga boss babe with a love for dogs seeking adventurous fellow foodie to devour a charcuterie of life experiences. I'm passionate about marketing and if I were a brand, I'd be Brick Coffee, distinctively Costa Rican, warm with many layered tastes a jolt of energy, and good with mixing. Speaking of, I love cooking, hosting new friends I haven't met yet, and zesty conversation. I'm caring and will give you the shirt off my back. And I'm nobody's nurse or purse, seeking the same. I love sending handwritten cards, giving gifts just because, and always letting my man know he is appreciated. And that is why going Dutch doesn't work for me. I've made a good living all by myself. Now it's time to make a life with the right someone. Is that you? And now back to our rich conversation with Jennifer Wiesner and Barbara Blatt-Stone. We are back with Jennifer Wiesner and Barbara Blatt-Stone. Did I get that right, Barbara? Yes, Barbara you did. Blatt Thanks so much. <laughs> And uh, this is part two of our very rich conversation. Um, and probably should have said this in this first episode, but I have known Barbara and Jennifer for years. We grew up together. We're family friends. And uh, what a just a wonderful conversation this is. Well, before we continue, I have to say that I've also known Barbara and Jennifer for a really long time. I remember seeing 
Jennifer play basketball. I remember <laughs> the amazing Christmas Eves at that family home is the most one of the most memorable memories that I have. And I don't even know if Barbara knows this, but my dream has always been when I win the lottery to have you completely create a wardrobe for me. And I know that's not your life anymore, but that's still, if I win the lottery, you're the first person I'm calling. Barb, that's so exciting. Barb, that has not left my life. Okay, (laughs) it'll always be a love. So I do it for people I love. Well, I love you. And that's when I win the lottery, I'm flying to LA and that's what we're doing. Do you do plus guy? Do you do plus size size guy? You'd be surprised what I can do, Mike. I'll make you look. She can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Two words. Two words, expandable waste. Okay, anyway. (laughs) So to continue our rich conversation, where we left off, we were talking about building that affirmation muscle. So what else can you guys, you know, tell us or give us tips or just moving us forward? And and just, it's so inspiring and it really was lighting me up when you start to think of that positive energy that you give to yourself and then give to the world. So give us some more. (laughs) You know, Barb, it's funny you say that. Um, last week, I was looking around on Netflix, and I saw that Sophia Loren, who is 86, by the way, um, she has a new show coming out, I think that's directed by her son. And she has this quote that she says, mistakes are part of the dues one pays for a full life. And I just feel like, you know, when I just said before in the last podcast about don't conflate your attempts with mistakes, I feel like also we have to view the past as something to learn from versus something to shame ourselves with. And I think that's really key, especially as a therapist. I see so many folks sit with their shame, carry around this albatross of shame, whether it's related to their sexuality, their past. And so I think looking at them as these opportunities that can make us wiser and that we don't, we can leave them in the rear view mirror, but we can use them as a springboard to new learning. So I wanted to add that. Mm. And in the career, I just want to throw in here, I thank you, Jennifer, because I totally agree being able to exercise that muscle and create those new pathways of a different way of thinking. And as you said before, negativity is stronger. It really is almost a default go-to. I remember, (laughs) you know, you look at imposter syndrome and we all suffer from that at some point. Going back to graduate school in the middle of my life, in my middle age, um, with adults that could, I could be their mom, okay? I could even be the mom of some of the professors. And it was really a shock to my system. And that imposter syndrome kicked in. I didn't even know how to use a Google Doc while collaborating with people. But I had to realize, even though at that moment, I felt inadequate, incompetent, um, was that really true? How did I get as far as I got in my previous career? What, by being incompetent or stupid? No. So it's really thinking about what got me here and you know why did I wanna do this in the first place and what am I capable of? And starting to think about it and like you said, Jennifer, reframing it. So I started writing down the answers. You know, I got into this because I, I wanna learn. We're all here to learn and I wanna explore that part of me that wasn't being utilized or maximized or even happy in the fashion industry. I wanted to find meaning 
So thinking about all that, you know, and meditating on it, I started to really experience that growth mindset. What can I get from this? You know, what can I, can I actually learn from other people? What do we have in common? We're all at the starting space of learning. And it was in my control. How do I reframe the experience? I know for myself, you know, I lost my career. Uh, I lost my job uh, back in July. And it was definitely an adjustment. I mean, when I lost my, what I do, I lost a little bit of my who. Mm-hmm. You know? The identity. Just, yeah. Totally. I mean, it was just, you know, the calendar was no longer full. I was no longer getting on planes. I mean, who is getting on planes with the pandemic? But uh, it just was, was, was that. And, and even now, I mean, seven months later, I've written a book, I've written a new screenplay. I've, I'm doing writing workshops. I'm doing so many cool things. And when people ask me like, well, what's new? And I tell them those things are like, oh my God, that's so awesome. And yet there's still a part of me that is like, well, you weren't making as much money as you were making it (laughs) or you weren't like, I'm not as busy as I once was. And it, it, it really does. um, I, I think, you know, there's, there's so many success stories about people that, they had a bad break or they got laid off or something like that. And then they go through this, you know, wow, I, I landed up and people say, Oh, looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But when you're in the middle oh, yeah. between the caterpillar and the butterfly <laughs> is the cocoon where you, you, it brings you down. Oh, the flux. Absolutely. Really Sitting is. in the flux. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are either between a breakup and a new love or they're between jobs right now where that cocoon phase is very uncomfortable. And I've learned over the last few months that being comfortable with being uncomfortable <laughs> is a real mm, skill. Absolutely. And, and mm. How would you, are there any, pra- is there any practical advice uh, that you would tell somebody in that cocoon phase to help that, uh, you know, mitigate some of the anxiety and upset that sometimes comes with it? I, I can just step in and then Jennifer, please feel free. I firstly makes me think of that emotions are transient. You know, what we may be, you know, might be feeling in this moment, it may pass and change into something different. And like I was saying before, you actually have the ability within your control to decide how you view it. That's easier said than done, however. And especially when something is so close to us as our identity, that shedding that is difficult. But giving yourself a break. Honestly, self-compassion and all the research around it is just as important, if not more so, than having compassion for someone else. I mean, all the research tells us it's critical for our self-esteem and well-being that we treat ourselves with the same kindness we would extend to others that we care for. I mean, would you physically or emotionally really beat up on somebody that you deeply cared for? You need to really extend that to yourself and give yourself the time to sit through that flux, which I'm sure Jennifer has something to say about, um, and be able to take the time to move through it and understand your emotions. Yeah, what she said. 
I pretty much have nothing to add. No, yeah. yeah, well, I love, you know, Barbara and I talk, Barbara and I talk a lot about the transiency of emotions and mm. that, you know, and also the the value in sitting with them and not not in a ruminating way, but kind of like what's really happening right now? You know, what is what does this mean for me? And so it's really just being with it, maybe not dwelling there, because it's the dwelling that keeps us stuck. You know, how can I learn from this time? Um, how can I uh, apply this to the present situations? And getting to a place of, you know, like what I say, radical acceptance. At some yeah. point, we need to get there to be accepting of what is. We can rail against, you know, what it's not and what we want it to be, but really just getting to a point where at some point we accept what is and notice the difference again, back to that idea of between learning from mistakes and berating ourselves as Barbara mm -hmm. said for what we didn't do or haven't done or what did happen. And maybe changing that dialogue to maybe I didn't like the way that that went down in the past, or maybe even my role in it, but I need to accept what happened, accept it in my heart, my mind, you know, all, all throughout me, and then step into the present and begin to imagine what can be. So really that present focus and um, that acceptance and, and just not wanna, the shame. Absolutely. And I just want to piggyback on that. I, I love that. It is the acceptance. And I know for myself and with some of my clients, acceptance sometimes has that sound of, you know, surrendering. And that never feels very positive, but it's really, we reframe it as, and not limitations. Like if you have limitations, if there's, I mean, physicalities that you have to accept or situations, but it's really reframing it to what I was speaking about before. Where do I want to put my energy? I'm accepting like Jennifer said, what is, and now where do I want to put my energy and my attention? So it gives us, a little bit more power and control. Yeah, empowerment. Yes. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. All right, shifting gears. I have a mm. question. Woo! Bring it on. All right. And it's it's for the sex therapist, Jennifer, and it's also mother to mother to mother. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> three moms. He, and Mike, Mike is a dad. Should, should, should I leave the room? <laughs> no, you can stay. So my question is, um, and I'm being serious, yeah. is that, we're, you know, we're in this situation that we're in. A lot of kids are home. Grown children are home. Where, how, when do you find a place and a time for intimacy without looking at the app, find my friends? <laughs> that, is a, that, is, that, that is a strategy, by the way. When, you can, when your kids are on find my friends, they're like, okay, they're 20 minutes away. You think, you think we got time? <laughs> So I would love any insights, any help, mother to mother, sex therapist, positivity coach, go. <laughs> You're screwed. No. <laughs> Too bad, so sad. No. Well, okay, that's okay. all the time we have now. No, actually, Mike and Barbara, Barb, it was so funny. I remember you saying in, in I think it was, it was either, maybe it was a podcast of yours I listened to already where you said you were doing it in the car. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's always the car in the garage. Um, you know, I, I have a different approach to this. Um, I have younger children, you know, I have teenagers and from a very young age, I impressed upon them how important it is that parents 
have their own time mm. and how important it is for them to build their own relationship and to maintain it. And that someday they'll be in relationships and it's important to put energy and time and attention in there. And so my kids have always understood that. And I can tell you some of the things that we've been doing, not in detail um, and without costumes, <laughs> um, but um, we've been, we've snuck away for an overnight to, you know, like a hotel that, because right now there's nobody in them and we've done that. And our kids have stayed home. We went two towns over and the kids are home with the dog. But even if it means just saying, I've had some, I had a really lovely idea from a client where they set their small children up like empowered them, helped them make their own dinner. And then they went upstairs and watched a movie and the parents stayed down there and had their nice dinner together. Like there's a lot of creative ways that we can make that time. And if you're talking about, you know, the sexuality and the sexy piece, um, that to me, I know everybody feels differently about this, but again, you know, letting our kids know that, hey, we're going to be in our room and the door is going to be closed and, you know, knock if you need us. But again, normalizing that intimacy, sexuality, because it's something we desperately need in our culture to normalize these types of things. Jennifer, I completely mm. agree. And I have two adult women living here, <laughs> as you do, in my part. And... We have a ranch, so there's no upstairs and downstairs. Um, but <laughs> what we do have, and maybe it's having a coach for a mom, we do have team meetings. And they are usually every couple weeks when we sense friction and everybody gets in conversation at the dinner table. And one of the things we voiced, I voiced, was that, you know, my husband and I needed time. And so what we started doing is every Friday night is our date night. And to Jennifer's point, you know, our door's shut and that's our business. And actually, it works really well. You know, our daughters are either with their friends on Zoom and other platforms or they're with each other or the dog or, you know, and they have a break. They have a break from us. You know, <laughs> I, everyone needs it. But I also love the normalization of it. And to your point, Jennifer from a male standpoint, female standpoint, wherever you identify, um, we are their role models. And the more we can normalize it and say how important it is and how critical it is and set time aside, they understand that that's important. And I, you know, I'll do that too. What, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is it, I just need to dust off the Marriott reward points and just yes. use them because, <laughs> because right now we're right now. It's like, it's like moment shots in the bedroom. It's like mom sex. <laughs> That's not working. Do you know what I mean? That's a blast from 30 years ago, Mike. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, well, let's just pause for a second while the younger people Google exactly. what moment chance is. Um, okay. Can we, do, can we go now? Okay, good. Um, so, it's, you know, since we are on this sexy, flirty kind of topic, I mean, uh, we've been married, the two of us, since God was a boy. Uh, he was our ring bearer, in fact, uh, it seems. So this whole thing around sexting and, you know, sending pics, I mean, this is just something we don't know anything about. And yet there are some clients that have kind of brought it up when we're writing their dating profiles. So, you know, what tips, Jen, do you have around all of that, you know, 
online texty flirty stuff. Ooh, fun, delicious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you said it I know like I did. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing to remember because um, we 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 feel we get uh, back to our conversation about confidence and feeling uncomfortable about these types of things. It is just so important to be ourselves, you know, not trying to be somebody else. And, you know, if you find things about yourself that you don't like, consider making some healthy changes that, you know, might make you feel better, like um, grooming. This is a big issue that has come up with folks that I've worked (laughs) with is, you know, the whole transition from sweatpants during the day to sweatpants to the special evening dinner. And that doesn't work. Um, but, you know, I like to tell clients, you know, basically grow yourself up, you know, make sure you're approaching interactions with a positive mindset, feel good about yourself, how you present. It's it's kind of like a job interview to put your best foot forward, which is things that you, Mike and Barb, help them with. And if for, there, a lot of folks are really uncomfortable about their ability to flirt. I have to admit, I have been, you know, with my partner now for 25 years and, you know, I don't know how good my dating, my flirting game is. So, you know, it can be, you know, uncomfortable. And I don't know if you all knew this, but there's actually a, um, there's an app out there. It's a dating site, but it's specifically around flirting. And it's, it's actually out of the UK. It's called Quick Flirt. And you can basically flirt as much as you want, as little as you want. You kind of had the throttle on going forward or pulling the plug. But I thought to myself, what a great way to practice your skills. What a great way to meet. Okay, okay hold, hold, hold on one second. She, she's married and she's just grinning. For Are you planning on going on this thing? What's it, what's it called? I'll see you on there, Barb. It's <laughs> just practice, Mike. It's just practice. It's practice to make it for the big game. You know, her game better for you. Um, But you know what else is cool? (laughs) Like I said earlier, you know, if you've saturated your dating market, if you live in some rural little area, you could be you could be flirting with international folks that you may never see again. And that might be good to practice your skills. So that's kind of a great way to, you know, up the game a little bit. And, you know, then there's just the visual platforms. Um, You know, I've I've written for colleges on this. And because in the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, oh, my gosh, like, how do we transition all these, you know, young adults who have been in the same space for all this time and now they're going back home and um, it's, it's not easy, but usually, you know, a lot of them are using FaceTime or zoom. Sometimes they'll do a movie night um, with let's gaze, which is where you can watch the movie together. Um, But it's really, again, it's still not easy to be suddenly dating where a stranger pops up on your screen. And again, thinking about this as another growth step. I always tell my clients, we got to keep one toe outside the box at all time if we want to grow. And so, you know, just really trying some of these things out in an environment, like I said, with quick flirt, you're doing it with folks you're probably never going to see or meet again and trying some of these things out when it comes to sexting though. Um, um, I, I, yeah, you know, both, I get some, you know, questions from parents about this stuff with their own kids, younger kids. Um, This is stuff that's happening in grade schools. And so, you know, for adults who are 18 and over, I usually just say, you know what, 
try to be in an, in at least in some sort of structure of a relationship where you trust the person, where you'd be willing to risk having naked images on their phone, or at least don't put your face in them. Take them from the neck down. Um, because that way, at least there's, you know, some more safety. And of course, it kind of, you know, if the relationship becomes roadkill, at least, you know, your face isn't on their phone connected to your body. Um, but really just in a newer relationship, I've told some folks like, don't send, you know, you probably have all heard dick pics. I mean, these things sometimes come across my phone from God knows where, but um, that's not something we send in the beginning of relationships. But really, if you're doing those kinds of things, really just thinking about sexting, choosing words, your clothing, your backdrops, your props, your makeup, your positions that make you feel good not for the other person. Think about what turns you as a person on, not the other person, because self-confidence is the sexiest thing you can convey mm. and keeps us embodied in our own body, and that's good sex. Right. Snap, boom. Ba boom. <laughs> Snap, mic drop. She's, you're feeling acceptance <laughs> somewhere. In my uh, yeah, feel, I can tell you something. You know, going back to that, we actually went out for a nice dinner before our younger daughter went back to for her last semester of college. We all got dressed up nice. We sat in kind of an outdoor with heaters situation, and we all got dressed so beautifully. Had a lovely meal, and I'm telling you what, two and a half hours later, <laughs> back in our yoga pants. <laughs> And I, I put on dress pants for the first time, and it was like it was like a pack of, uh, of biscuits when the two breaks. I'm like, oh, my God. And then I was like back in sweatpants right away. Anyway. So before we wind up, is there anything else both of you would like to add? How, how we get in touch with you, how, how our listeners get in touch with you, anything else to close this out? Barbara, you tell them about your awesome self, please. Um, I'm just... I'm thinking of what could be just really important. I, I can't emphasize enough the self-awareness piece. I can't leadership, relationship, everything. What you just said, Mike, what Barb said, what Jennifer said, all of it begins with yourself. Like Jennifer just said, you know, what makes you feel good? If you don't know what that is and you don't know what you really want in a job, a relationship of whatever, how can you then put that out there? So right. do the work on you yeah. and, and have fun with it. You know, explore that curiosity. You know, it's, you know, you don't have to go back to school to do it because A, it's expensive and B, it's crazy. But I mean, it's something that, that changed my life because it put me in a space of, yeah, life was really beginning outside my comfort zone. And I got comfortable being uncomfortable to your point, Mike. So it's, and I also got comfortable with an age group that I didn't really spend a lot of time with. And we, I really, I actually now coach. I have a lot of millennial clients. In fact, most of them are millennial. And if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, um, actually, you, how would like you I, I had mentioned, um, I'm re-expanding my uh, website to work with my partner. So right now, you can just find me on LinkedIn at B Blatstone. I mean Barbara Blatstone. Um, and at the bottom of my profile, you can see how to work with me. There's a lot of recommendations, or you can just contact me by email, which is bblatstone at gmail.com. Yep, B-L-A-T-Z-S-T-O-N-E. Awesome. 
And you, Jen, anything else you'd like to add and tell everybody? Sure. I'm at Jennifer Wiesner, Healthy Sexuality. And because there's so few of me, all you'd have to put is Jennifer Maine and sex therapist, and that would pop up too. (laughs) (laughs) But um, one thing that I do offer that might help your clientele um, would be I offer one-time 75-minute sexual health consultations. And I have a page on my website under my specialties that this is an opportunity for 75 minutes where you get, you know, the questions sent to you, they come back to me, and I create like a, an educational white paper for folks to have resources, things to consider, anything relating to their own sexuality, their intimacy, relationships. And again, like Barb said, I have a lot of um, testimonials for folks who are utilizing them, and they have been really just booming during the pandemic because people really just want to get a handle on themselves and better themselves and be more be more in touch with their body, their sexuality. And so that's something that they can find at my Jennifer Wiesner Healthy Sexuality. And now it's time to close this out with a last question from the radio DJ oh, no. around you. <laughs> and here it comes. Okay, so you're getting ready to meet with a client. You're getting ready to go on a date. You're ready to go upstairs and shut the door and tell the kids, leave us alone. What music do you put on? What gets you inspired and fired up in that? Pump time? it up by Elvis Costello. Yes, that's so Barbara. Yes. <laughs> And I am one of those people who is like my sister, lots of energy. And honestly, one of the ones that I go to is Boom Boom Pow by the Black Eyed Peas. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I I saw the Black Eyed Eyed Peas in Las Vegas before they were the Black Eyed Peas. No, and I saw Fergie for the first time and wow. Yeah, she Boom Boom Powed me right out the door. I mean, that was amazing. Amazing. (laughs) I I have this done probably gonna get a lot of ridicule i have the spotify playlist where all those songs i listened to when i drove the kids in carpool like i'm not ready to let go of selena gomez i'm also not i'm not ready to get rid of britney either like work bitch i play that all the time in the gym and i'm like don't make me wrong if that's, if that's wrong i don't want to be right well that and rap for me yeah a anyway, california love that well on that note i think oh that yeah is, that's Ooh, it that's a good one Absolutely. Well, it has just been so wonderful, wonderful just to connect with you and just such valuable, valuable information. We can't thank you enough for being on our podcast and just wish you an awesome 2021. Thank you so much, Michael Barb, and thank you for all you do for your clients. Thank you. And we can't wait to see you in person. Sending those back. Thanks so much to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Love Letters podcast. Our aim is to lift people with words with our dating and career profiles we create. And we hope these words in this podcast lifted you as well. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell friends about it. You can also like us on our Facebook and Instagram on Love Letters Profiles. To visit our website, check out loveletterspropiles.com.